Star Wars 7x7 episode 558. Today it's part two of our Secrets from the Script series where we dive in deep into the details of the shooting script of The Force Awakens. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Amy Rackliff from Phillips Sith, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and we're on part two of our series, picking up in the middle of page eight of the shooting script for The Force Awakens. No deleted scenes in the section that we're going to go through this time, but a lot of little tidbits of information that I think you're going to enjoy. First off, we find out that Finn is 23 years old. That is how he is labeled in the shooting script. 23 years old. So that puts him being born seven years after the Battle of Endor. And if he was taken at an early age for conditioning, then that suggests that the First Order, or at least what the bones of the First Order, or the you know initial genesis of the First Order, happened pretty quickly after the Battle of Endor. It suggests that it might have been happening even um, five years after the Battle of Endor. I'll just go out on a limb and say that it probably took a while to get a conditioning program up and running that you're starting to take kids around. So it's interesting that we're going to have a novel, Bloodlines, by Claudia Gray coming out later this year that takes place, I believe, six years after the Battle of Endor. And so that would be in prime position to show the genesis of the First Order, if that's indeed what it's about. There's been no, uh, as far as I know, there's been no synopsis released about it yet. So it's kind of a theorizing at this point. But certainly the logic is there. If Finn is 23, that means he was born seven years after the Battle of Endor, and he was taken for conditioning at an early age. So First Order has to have been up and running sometime between five and ten years after the Battle of Endor and has been quietly, seemingly, perhaps, in operation for 20 years, possibly getting a little bit louder and louder as time went on. And the next bit of information we get comes from the opening of Ray inside the giant crashed Star Destroyer on Jakku. There's a note in the script that says the cable that she is shimmying down while she's inside scavenging for parts is a 200-foot-long cable. And I think, yeah, the enormity of what we're looking at in there, I'm shocked that it's only 200 feet. Quite honestly, it seems like it ought to be a lot longer. And it doesn't seem like she takes that cable out of there at all. So that must be just something that is either, you know, random cable that was part of the Star Destroyer itself or that, you know, she had to hook in there to be able to climb up and get to all these crazy places inside the Star Destroyer. Don't know, but only referenced as hanging there, not something that's a piece of equipment that she brings. Uh, But she is identified as being 19 years old, so born 11 years after the Battle of Endor. 11 years after Return of the Jedi, don't yet know what to make of that just yet. Uh, She's either five or six years old, I believe it is, and we'll see it in the script later when she's dropped off on Jakku. So we're going to learn a little bit more about her, I think, as we dig into the script further over the next few days. And we'll see what kind of pieces we can pull together about her. The outpost that she goes to for trading and whatnot is Nima Outpost, and Nima is spelled with two I's, N-I-I-M-A. I've seen it online spelled a couple of different ways with two I's and with one I specifically, but Nima with two I's is how you spell it. Then we get to Unkar Plutt, who is described as being 50 years old. In the script, he is referred to as Blobfish. It says 50, comma, Blobfish, comma, unclean, and Blobfish is lowercase. 
And I was wondering if that was supposed to be a description of his um, species, but it is not. In fact, he is listed on the StarWars.com databank as being a Krolute, C-R-O-L-U-T-E. That's his particular species. And he is actually referred to, according to the databank, as the Blobfish, with a capital B, by scavengers as a, you know, as a, as a negative nickname behind his back. Why can I suddenly <laughs> not remember the word insult for some strange reason? That's an insulting nickname given to him behind his back, the Blobfish. And the portion that he gives Ray is described in the script as being uh, part dried green meat and beige powder. The beige powder, of course, is what she mixes into the water to create a loaf of bread. And when she goes back to her abandoned ADAT in her you know, very solitary ramshackle residence, the couple of things that you see in the background that are marked in the script include the fact that she's been marking the wall one mark per day and that there are thousands of marks. We can pretty well see that in the movie itself. There's a brief shot, too, of a handmade doll, a stuffed doll that looks like a rebellion fighter pilot and, you know, with uh, twine and scraps of cloth and whatnot that's been made that she still has presumably something from childhood. Now we get to the scene where Ray and BB-8 meet for the first time, and when she hears BB-8's beeping, she grabs her quarterstaff, as it's referred to in the script, and for what it's worth, the Journal of Western Martial Art, an article by Frank Doherty, says the quarterstaff was for centuries considered the weapon of the lower sections of society, which is probably something that did not escape the notice of J.J. Abrams and Larry Kasdan in making that her weapon being a lower section of society in the whole scavenging thing. Although it does continue to say, the article does, that the nobility had a healthy respect for the quarterstaff, which they also practiced in in reality. Quarterstaffing as a fighting art reigned supreme in England for many centuries. And that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow we're going to talk Tito's and Lugabeasts and language that Ray uses to communicate. We're going to talk about geographic features of Jakku and a bit about General Hux and Poe and Finn on the Star Destroyer. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com slash sw7x7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash sw7x7. All right, time for some trivia. I don't know what to do! Last time we asked you the name of the Kanja Club leader who confronted Han and Chewie about their debts, and that was Tasu Leech. Tasu Leech. Today's question, see if you're paying attention from yesterday, how old is Poe Dameron? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you follow Obi-Wan on some idealistic crusade, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a mind trick, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.